turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. Michael Oren, where are you right now? I am in Jaffa. I'm in beautiful Jaffa overlooking the Mediterranean. And it's quiet. It's quiet and peaceful for the time being. Well, I want to ask you about that, and I have no idea what the, your, your answers will be. I I have been uh, opposed to the lockdown from the beginning in the United States. I think Sweden did the only right thing. But uh, we could talk about that later, because I know the Israeli economy has been hurt terribly. I have terribly. I have a friends, I have a dear friend uh, in the uh, tourism guide business. He He literally has no income. He and, he and, and about three-quarters of a million other Israelis. Yeah. Is there—I yeah, uh, I, I don't know your position on it, uh, but I, I am curious, is there a voice or are there voices that question the lockdown in Israel, or is, is it fairly unanimous? No, it, 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 it's fairly unanimous that there should not be a lockdown. Uh, oh really? And wait, yeah, no, I, no, it's very different here. It's very different here. You know, in in, in the United States, the, the wearing of masks is, is a political statement. You know, you, you wear a mask and you're a Democrat. Is that true? You know, you don't wear a mask, you're you're against it. But, uh, here, it's a social statement. People wear masks for older people. It's a sign of weakness and vulnerability. And this is a very young country. We have the the youngest population in any industrialized country in the world. We have the largest youngest population. Uh, people have babies uh, here. Family, people get married and have big families. So young people are, are more, you know, immune. They're healthier. Um, they get corona. They they get sick. They don't necessarily get very sick. Uh, and so people are saying, you know, okay, we understand that the vulnerable people have to take precautions, but we don't have to take precautions. And the entire society and our economy shouldn't have to pay the price for that. Oh wow! But but the, they don't have they don't have any clout. Well, we had a lockdown for a certain period of time, and we, you know, we lifted it. Maybe we lifted it a little bit too fast. We had a second wave, but I think right now, after the second wave, people are saying, "Listen, as long as the hospital, uh, yes, that should be the criteria. Collapse, we're not going to do this anymore." All right. So, what's the state? Or is there or is there not a lockdown now? There is no lockdown. You can go into any store. You can go into any store. You can go into any restaurant. You can go to any restaurant. They prefer to have the tables outside. You go to any restaurant. It's all wait, open. Wait, the, wait, 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 wait. They prefer or they have to? Can you no, they eat? don't have to. You can eat inside a restaurant. You can eat and have very, very good food. That I know. But there's no tourism. There is no tourism because they're just beginning to open up. We've just had to see 600 Israeli tourists go to Greece. Um... But, no, there's no tourism now. And, and, and your friend, I understand his plight very well and his pain. There are many people, the entire tourism industry, the hotels, um, the bus drivers, 
the you know the the souvenirs, <laughs> concession stands, everything. Tremendous blow. Zero income. Okay, uh, what's the uh, story? How do you, how did it come about that the the UAE, the United Arab Emirates, recognized Israel? How did that come about? Well, I'm going to shock you. In many ways, we have to thank uh, President Obama. Why? Because he sought to bring the Jews and Arabs closer together through peace. Um, he brought Jews and Arabs closer, but not through peace, but through common opposition to his policies toward Iran. And the, the real impetus here was the need to form a common, open alliance against Iran and fight the Iran nuclear deal, which both Sunni Arab states like the UAE and Israel view as a strategic threat to us. What or who else is responsible for this momentous thing? Well, President Trump and his team. Uh, of course. And, and, and they took one step, which I regard as absolutely pivotal, uh, Dennis, and it was this. For decades, not years, decades, through several administrations, every time the Palestinians left the table, they got rewarded. Remember? They told Clinton, no. They told Bush, no. They told Obama, no. And every time they left, they got more money. They got an embassy in Washington. They got 130 countries to recognize them as a state. So why go back to the negotiating table? It was insane. They, everyone gave the Palestinians the veto power over the peace process, and they always use the veto because they actually don't even have the word yes in their vocabulary. It happened since the 1930s, never mind the 1980s, the 1990s. So this Trump team came along and said, okay, end of this. If you leave the table, guess what? Not only are you not going to get rewarded, you're going to get punished. We're going to recognize Jerusalem as Israel's capital. We're going to cut off aid to UNRWA and other corrupt Palestinian agencies. And guess what? We're not going to sit around and wait for you guys to say yes. We're going to move ahead and make a bilateral relationship between Israel and Sunni Arab countries. This is what they did. And it seems like so elementary, doesn't it? Then it seems like, you know, really, like no one ever thought of it. God, of course, of course. It's, really a, it's a game changer. So who's next? Well, we hope. And Jared Kushner did a, you know, a tour around the region. Uh, didn't come back very, you know, optimistic about the possibility of Bahrain, Oman, the Saudis. My gut feeling tells me that if this relationship works out well, and there's no reason why it shouldn't, because we're wedding the two Ds, the most innovative country in the world, with one of the wealthiest countries in the world. People begin to prosper because of this relationship. Uh, the other countries are not going to be able to sit on the side, especially if the Palestinians continue to reject any overtures to peace. So I think it's a matter of time, but it will happen. How is the reaction? Is there like this uh, eruption of hatred uh, in parts of the Arab world, like among Palestinians against the UAE? No, nah, a little bit. Not much. You know, for years and years, I was always here to, you know, if the United States cast a veto against the Israeli uh, resolution in the UN, if, if America moves its embassy, uh, to Jerusalem, but the Arab world is going to go up in flames. And American embassies are going to go up in flames. There's going to be a third intifada. And every time, you know what happens? Exactly nothing. That's right. And this time, too, there, there are some condemnations. But I'm actually in Jaffa here. I'm in a mixed Arab-Jewish city. I went you know, shopping with my, my Arab grocer today, Mohammed. Um, quiet, quiet, quiet. That's fascinating. What about the annexation issue? Did it, has it died? Is it uh, in limbo? What's the story? I think it's in abeyance you know, for the time being. 
I mean, there people want to show that there's a dividend for Israel, you know, holding back on annexation. Uh, by the way, I never even used the term annexation. I don't think uh, people can annex its own ho homeland. I prefer to say extending Israeli sovereignty uh, over Judea and Samaria. Um, and I think it's going to remain an issue in Israeli politics. Uh, Benjamin Netanyahu is going to be facing his, his, his biggest opposition is not from the left, it's from the right, uh, from someone like Naftali Bennett, who has excoriated him uh, for not proceeding with annexation. And that's a, a popular position among a great number of Israelis. One final thing, uh, I have very strong uh, feelings about this, as you probably know, but I want to know your feelings. There is an increasing uh, alienation among American Jews as they drift leftward, uh, an alienation from Israel, which is, which is unprecedented in American Jewish history. Any comments? They don't get it. <laughs> You know, in my mind, and I've never told anybody this. You're the first one. Listen to this. I have, I have an imaginary conversation in my mind between me and my great-grandfather living in a shtetl in Lithuania. Shtetl is a little Jewish village, just let me explain. A little okay. Jewish village, okay? And, and I say to him, you know, guess what? In another hundred years, there's going to be an, a Jewish state in the land of Israel. And it's going to have an army that's more than twice as big as the British and French armies combined. And it's going to have five or six of the leading universities uh, in the world and, and, and more Nobel Prizes per capita than any country in the world. It's going to be a world leader in innovation. I go on and on and on and on. But, but I'm going to say, we're going to have a problem with, with another people, the Palestinians, who, though we've offered them peace many times, keep on rejecting it. And because of that, a lot of American Jews... You don't have a problem with that. Yes. All right. Listen, I know you got to go. Everybody got his book up there, The Night Archer. Thank you, Michael Oren. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today. This is Jerry Boyer of Town Hall Finance for townhall.com. These are tense and unsettling times for our nation with ongoing protests in many of our major cities and a sense of unease about how the next incident may further inflame things. So how should we respond to protesters who are either violent or aggressive to the point of interfering with normal life? Certainly not by returning violence for violence, not by aggressive counter demonstrations, and not by any sort of vigilante activity. We can't fight evil with evil. Lasting social change always comes from peaceful appeals to the broad middle class in America. So when they riot, let's focus on the wise response. Instead of filling the streets with angry counter protests, let's fill the ballot box with our protest vote. When they riot, we register. When they vent, we vote. And when they slap us on the right cheek, Let's cast the right vote. Head to our polling station or home to our absentee ballots, and we vote for law and order. I'm Jerry Boyer.